podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello there guys, what is going on? Daniel Childs back here again for another edition of Let's Talk Chelsea. Hope you're doing well, hope you're keeping safe as ever. I'm actually looking forward to a weekend without Chelsea playing, which is good, which is a kind of relief this season, to be honest, when you don't have a game. The international break actually was pretty decent and it feels like a little bit of an international break for Chelsea this weekend. So that is in itself a little bit of mercy for what we've had to deal with this season. In today's show, we're going to be looking at the player sales, how important it is for Chelsea to sell those players, but how difficult it is within a certain deadline in the next two months to get that over the line and to trim down this squad before a head coach comes in for pre-season. And then also, is it all doom and gloom? Are Chelsea now in Champions League exile for many years to come? Will it improve? Is it the end of the world? Is it the apocalypse? Is there anything to feel hopeful about? We'll see if there is. So the first thing to speak about is how important it is for Chelsea to sell players before June the 30th. Nazar Kinsella reporting in the Evening Standard that Chelsea are in a race to sell players before June the 30th as they plan a mass clear out of their squad to ensure they continue to stay in line with FFP rules. Christian Pulisic, Hakim Ziyech, Kaladu Koulibaly, Ruben Loftus-Cheek, Conor Gallagher, Romelu Lukaku and Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang could all be sold while Mason Mount is wanted by Liverpool, Manchester United and now Newcastle. There's kind of different factors here in terms of FFP, in terms of I think maybe more of a football reason is that without Champions League or European football to speak of next season and then you're bringing in a new head coach who's going to have to instill his new ideas on these group of players, you just simply can't have a big squad. It's just not going to work out. It's going to cause a lot of problems, a lot of stuff that we've seen in recent years of players being unhappy. And I feel that, you know, Chelsea have got a great opportunity here to really have a hard reset and to, if they can trim down the squad significantly, at least heading into next season, I feel that there is going to be compromise that some of those players may have to be loaned out. You may have another Lukaku situation, but if that needs to be done, it needs to be done. Just so you have a situation where the new coach comes in and has a group of players he can start to to work with and the benefit, even though it's not nice and financially it's not a benefit of not having European football as we saw with Antonio Conte, is more time on the training pitch and that's very important to gel a group of players particularly in the current moment when Chelsea are so lacking any form of identity and cohesion on the pitch obviously there is the FFP side which was obvious when Chelsea spent all of that money in the January window you would like to think Chelsea's ownership knew that when they made all those signings that even if Ziyech did leave to PSG it wasn't going to make a lot of difference the Lukaku loan to Inter Milan was very much putting it on hold for 12 months it's going to come back into the uh, the focus right now because it needs to be resolved as well, as well as many other players, because you have within that list of players mentioned by Nazar Kinsella, you have players who have been here for a few years who look like they need a, a new place to go. You've got players who are kind of failed signings from last summer, the likes of Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang and Kaladu Koulibaly. Maybe you'd throw Marco Carrera into that mix as well, because I'd like to see Ian Matson come back personally. So there is a lot to be done within this period, along with, of course, resolving the contract situation of Mason Mount and Ingolo Kante. So, so much to say there. I mean, I looking at the, the squad and who I'd keep, who I'd sell, I mean, I, I said this a little bit in, in yesterday's podcast where I kind of uh, broke down some of the player performances. The likes of Kepa, the likes of Koulibaly, the likes of Aspilicueta, um, in defence, I think it's time for them to move on. I really do. Uh, I think that Koulibaly 
is kind of what I feared Thiago Silva would be when he arrived. And, you know, maybe Thiago Silva, unfortunately, is so amazing a footballer. We were fooled into thinking it could happen again with Koulibaly. It just hasn't worked out. And particularly if you're going to bring back Levi Colwell, who isn't going to settle for another loan you got to prioritise the development of Levi Colwell. I think it's just so abundantly clear. It was abundantly clear 12 months ago that you should have kept Levi Colwell. Luckily, we did, but it's now time to integrate him into the first team. And if that means losing Kaladu Koulibaly, I think you've got to lose Kaladu Koulibaly. Pulisic, Ziyech, we've been through this a million times. Both need to go. It, they've run their course at Chelsea. Loftus-Cheek, Ruben is a... I've said this before, he's a valuable squad member if he's okay doing that. But again, if you need to really thin this squad a lot more, I could see him going somewhere else and probably getting first-team football. Conor Gallagher, I like Conor a lot. I think at times he's been misused. I think at times it's clear his technique lets him down at Chelsea. But I do believe from a business point of view, the club will look at Conor Gallagher and say there's probably 40 to 50 million there that we could get that goes straight into our pocket. From a business point of view, when you need to sell players, it's obvious I think he comes top of the list, even though I like the player, but maybe he is best suited elsewhere if we're not going to use him properly. Lukaku, it's a sell, you know, the, the ship has sailed on that one. Even though I'm a fan of the player and you can make a, a justification that, listen, I mean, he did score 15 goals last season and, you know, is it the end of the world having him back? The mood around him is so bad and I think the player himself would want to go. So we need to resolve that. Abamyang, yes, got to go. Mason Mount, you keep. I, I've said this, I think you've got to keep him, uh, particularly if you're not going to keep uh, Jarl Felix, who I just don't think is worth the money that is being touted um, based on his performances. It's also factoring in that you need to buy new players so you obviously need to make room with that and, and it's going to be very difficult and I feel that there are going to be some leftovers or players who are going to have to go out on loan but that is the consequence of bad signings I mean listen we, we've had this since 2017 and it's such a shame that we're still in this position now we've made new errors we've made new 2017 basically um, and unfortunately on the pitch it isn't going as well as it was back then so it's a really dismal situation but it needs to be resolved because if it isn't I just fear that the new head coach will will stumble and, and, and fall into similar traps again and we'll be sat here in a year's time looking at players who are lost, who shouldn't be here, who should have been sold a long time ago. And um, that's going to annoy some people. I think there are going to be some players who maybe people love and have the, on the back of their shirt and, and have done some decent things for Chelsea in recent years and in one case has done some incredible things. But I think it is time to to move on from some of these players uh, to really declutter the squad and to move into a a, a, a clearer vision because the, the clear vision hasn't been there this season. There's no way around it. And a clear out is what is needed. I do want to end because Simon Johnson wrote this piece for The Athletic. And I mean, it's his opinion. And, I, you know, fair enough. It's his opinion on kind of the the doom and gloom currently. And will Chelsea suffer a long absence from the Champions League? And it's kind of just... I know how dismal things look at the moment and how badly this season has gone. And I don't just want to go 15-16 because that was a very different group of players. And it's kind of wild to think back to my feelings at the end of that season, how bleak I looked at that team. When you actually think about the players that were involved then, that we still had, that then, of course, a year later would look incredible under Antonio Conte winning in the league. But I do think that it isn't... I don't think it... Um, will take tons and tons to get Chelsea back on some sort of track. Not saying, you know, even maybe Champions League qualification next season, but at least at a bare minimum, what Chelsea have to be doing next season is kind of like what Man United have been doing this season. Of course, they're likely to get Champions League football, but just in a sense of looking at a team with a vision again, looking at a team that looks like a team. That is the most embarrassing thing about Chelsea at the moment is... 
I look across so many leagues and I watch teams of lesser quality, lesser finances and, you know, supposedly lesser ability. And I see teams that just look like they're functioning properly. And the fact that a club of Chelsea's stature and resources, and as I say, at times, you do have quality within this squad to not show that is incompetence it really is and unfortunately I do think that has been the case for a while um I think it's been it's been cranked up to an 11 this season but even last season I could have looked at players particularly value wise and say the lack of value particularly from an attacking point of view was shocking and that has to be rectified so I don't think it will take years and years and years and years. I may be proven wrong because you look at the quality of Arsenal now you look at the finances of Newcastle if Tottenham get it right, I mean, will they ever? I don't know. But, you know, you, you look at teams just, you know, not the Man City's, Liverpool's and Manchester United. There are still obviously quality teams below that. And even teams, the likes of Brighton, who are punching above their weight at the moment and have a really good structure. And if we don't resolve that, we could be behind those teams again. That is, of course, a dreadful thing to think. But I do think it takes, you know, I have this feeling in football and maybe I'm being naive here. I think you are always closer to your downfall than you think but then also closer to your comeback or rising than you think. I, I really do believe that. I, I think that it, it takes just a bit more competence and a few players, as we know, can make a huge bit of difference. At times, a bit of fortune if an N'Golo Kante stays fit for the majority of the season, if Mason Mount could rediscover some of that brilliant form, if certain players do gel together, if you have a dynamic and you know very much unifying coach who can not only bring, I think, a tactical framework that is going to work for these group of players, but also unify the fan base again and make us feel, you know, um, lively and kind of positive and optimistic when we arrive at Stamford Bridge, unlike this season. That was kind of what it was. I, I hate to make the comparison again. At 15-16, at the end of that season, it did look quite bleak. But then a few brilliant signings over that summer and then also the benefit of no Champions League football meant more training time at Cobham for Antonio Conte to instill an idea to really settle on an 11 that he could play each week. And it worked wonders, it did. I don't think the same thing is going to happen again because I think it's unlikely you see another Antonio Conte situation because Man City, for instance, you have Man City now who have got an amazing coach, the best in the world, in my opinion, and have uh, resources and know what to do with those resources. And you could look at Liverpool maybe having a better season next time, Man United 2 under new ownership, Newcastle, Arsenal. It is a lot more challenging, it really is, than it was in 2017 to just make that jump up from 11th or 10th to 1st again. And also we're dealing with a group of players who haven't won a Premier League title. So that in itself creates a bigger obstacle. But I don't think it's the end of the world and there's no joy to be had and with the right coaching appointment with a few smart signings which is always seems to be a problem for Chelsea but a few smart signings in key areas the team could look cohesive again and could have a good season a season that gets us back on track so that in itself is is what I'm sort of leaning on leaning on at the moment it isn't just blind faith listen I am, like any of us, just being realistic and just being blunt and as I said in yesterday's show it is absolutely fair to criticise the new ownership and it's absolutely fair to be concerned about the direction we are headed in. And if it isn't resolved, it could be even more of a mess next season. And that is that is the big concern of, of a clarity of what's going on behind the scenes. Do the new ownership have that vision? What is it? Can they communicate it to fans a little bit better? Because just saying there's a process doesn't really tell me anything. What is it? What are you looking for? What are you looking for in a coach? What are you looking for in players? And what is the plan from next season? That is the key. So big weeks ahead for Chelsea. 
big weeks ahead in the transfer market of selling players and trying to let go of players who don't have much value here but hopefully can be let go and hopefully can find better careers elsewhere because Chelsea need to start cutting down that squad. Let me know who you think Chelsea should be cutting in the comments below. That'll be it for today's show. You can follow me on Twitter at Son of Chelsea and I will see you again very soon. All the best. Podcast Network.